Welcome to Tenant Men. Welcome to Tenant Men. I am your host, Steve, and I am joined by Kevin, and together we are doing a complete and methodical review of the Christopher Nolan 2020 epic high-concept time travel film, Tenet. We are doing a minute-by-minute analysis of the film by conducting our own temporal pincer movements. I am on the red team moving forward through the film. Kevin is on the blue team traveling in reverse. Kevin, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm very uh, excited for your minute. Uh, I think we've been waiting for this one ever since the uh, the opera house scene died down. <laughs> um, I This is the best minute uh, maybe ever. There's like, there's just two of the most notable things from this movie uh, that happen within 30 seconds of each other. Uh, <laughs> and I can't wait to dive into it. Also like, you know, really dissecting it. Like, you know, cause when I, when I, when I do the, my notes for these minutes, I, you know, pause like every five seconds, write down my notes and then continue. But this one was like, I have to pause like every half second. So I can really, <laughs> really absorb what just happened. Uh, it's exciting. It's really exciting. So I kind of um, did a detailed screen to text of the, of, of the, the, um, <clears throat> not the novelization, the, uh, script. Uh, and I've got some things to say. I don't know if you've done that. Did you do that as well? I have, you know, I, I, I'm not gonna, I bought the script and I have not opened it once. Shame on okay. me. I have, I have, I'll interject as, as you're describing things, I might just interject little things. So, all right. <laughs> Uh, well, let's just go right into it. Yeah. So, Tenet Men, by the way, episode thirty-three. Uh, for those keeping keeping score, all right. Let me pull up my notes. This is uh, minute marker thirty-two twenty-one to thirty-three twenty-one. Uh, in the previous minute, we uh, discussed or we we reviewed Cat and the protagonist having their second half of their conversation at the restaurant uh the uh <laughs> lurch they're, what's uh, his name they're meat cute if, if you will they're what meat cute oh meat cute okay yeah, yeah. like not a date <laughs> but <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh at the end of the minute lurch what's his name i always forget his volkov. name volkov I'm i gonna might call not him... be pronouncing that right <laughs> i'm gonna call him lurch <laughs> He doesn't talk. Um, You're right. I don't think he has a line <laughs> of dialogue. Lurch sits down at the table, and there's a, a couple other goons that are uh, escorting Cat out, and then uh, they escort the uh, or the protagonist is 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 you know also escorted through the kitchen. So anyway, um, we start this minute thirty two twenty one. Cat and her goon are walking across the street out the back of the restaurant to the car. Uh, then we quickly break. The protagonist walks into the kitchen with the with the one goon behind him, and then there's two in front of him. One of which has that mallet, which we saw him pick up last week, and the other just standing around like a douchebag. Um, <laughs> and then right away we get one of the most legendary things of this movie. Uh, we get the line, "I ordered my hot sauce an hour ago." <laughs> Uh, well, I don't think it will surprise you. Not in the script. <laughs> <laughs> really? Actually, yeah. that, that does surprise me a little bit. That's that's a improv line. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I imagine it is because I, I have a feeling like, or maybe they were like, something needs to be here. 
Um, and I will note that Christopher Nolan is not always the best at action. Like just, just fisticuffs, I would say. <laughs> um, I mean, there's great action set pieces in Tenet. Like he's great at setting up fight scenes, not so much in the actual choreography aspect of it. I think some of the Batman stuff is some of the worst hand-to-hand fighting ever put on screen in a major blockbuster. Agreed. Um, uh, and there's, but there's great like set pieces. Like he sets up like Batman and the Joker having a fight in that abandoned um, skyscraper. But then the like the punching and the, this it, it amounts to nothing in a lot of that. Wouldn't you agree? One hundred percent, I agree. Um, especially Dark Knight Rises. I'm always just reminded of like that final like fight with Batman and Bane, which is. It's horrible. It's really yeah. horrible. And the dialogue is also really horrible. Uh, I think we've said it before. It's the worst Christopher Nolan movie uh, um, by far. But I feel like this scene is this maybe one, like, of, the, this is one yeah, of the better ones. I, I feel like he brought somebody else in and said, could you like choreograph this? Because it's just fighting in a kitchen. And um, we'll get into it. I'll, I'll, I'll read what's in the scripts <laughs> at some point to describe what he, what was in his mind. And obviously from what you're about to describe, somebody else just said, let me take a pass. <laughs> you have me thinking like, what are the, what are some of the best fight scenes from some other movies and some immediate ones just popped into my head. Can we go on a tangent for a second? Go ahead. Okay. Do you have one that comes to mind? I have. I have two in a that... Nolan movie. I, no, I would definitely. In, okay. In okay. any movie. In any movie. Okay. Quickly, I would just say the best fight scene is in for Nolan in Inception, the the hallway scene with uh, Joseph yes. Gordon Levitt's character, um, just because it's the set piece that's doing all the heavy lifting in that. Yes. And all the other stuff that's going on. It's the best part of that movie, action wise. Um, <laughs> but the punching and stuff is just overtaken by the fact that the whole set is spinning. <laughs> okay but uh, go ahead i'll think of some the, the so two that just immediately come to mind uh i agree on the the uh, inception one by the way for christopher mm-hmm. nolan movies um the two that popped into my head immediately one uh born identity the like the first duty fights with like the pen that's like i don't know it's like burned into my memory uh oh. And that's important because like everything after that is also every, every action movie after that is derivative of that. (laughs) Yeah. John Wick owes so much to that. Uh, All those other movies. Um, A lot of mission impossible embraced a lot of that kind of weird stuff. Uh, Not weird, but just like more visceral kind of action. So that one popped into my head. The other one, uh, Eastern Promises, the locker room. Oh, fight. that's a great one. They're <laughs> oh, naked. That's yeah. so cool. <laughs> it is like so uncomfortable. It is so brutal. Uh, it's just one of the best fight a scenes. Great, uh, great movie. I'm always trying to uh, incorporate that into some of my work. That's a good movie. <laughs> anyway, so those those were like the two that popped into my head. Hmm. I don't know. I, I keep coming back to, I want to say like some sort of a, like an Indiana Jones thing, uh, just because I, like, great setups like great places to have a fight scene is always like really cool um in that like just on an airfield on a conveyor belt of rocks that's being smashed by a rolling pin where you're fighting the big bad and there's a voodoo doll or something involved it's just (laughs) uh all of those that's but that's very kind of poppy uh pop culture-ish kind of fight scenes not really um oh 
I don't know. I'm a little stumped. All right, all right, all right. All right. That's fine. We can we can pass for now. Uh, <laughs> it's just a fun thought experiment. Let's get back to the let's get back to the minute. Let's get back to why we're here. <laughs> yeah. Okay? The so the kitchen fight scene. I ordered my hot sauce an hour ago. Um, perfect delivery. Perfect line. Kudos. Um, then the goon from behind sucker punches him in the kidney. <laughs> Uh, and you know, he kind of falls off to the side and he's, you know, embraces like a table to break his fall. Uh, and then we, we break, we actually break the scene. We go to cat sitting in the car. Uh, she's like really visibly upset. I think she's crying a little bit. She sighs and she tells the driver, like, can we get going? Um, and the driver doesn't respond. We break back to the kitchen. Uh, so that goon that punched him in the kidney, is uh, holding down his hand onto that table that that broke his fall. And then you got the other goon with the mallet uh, and he's going to just break his hand with that thing. And then, so he winds up and uh, yeah, the protagonist does a little, does a little Kung Fu here. He uh, (laughs) slips his elbow back and hits the goon behind him in the face. Right. Mm -hmm. And then in the same motion, he picks up some kind of glass off of that table smashes it into the face of the other goon, the one that's standing there like a douchebag, um, <laughs> and then quickly moves, grabs the the mallet, the mallet arm of the third goon, and does like three super quick punches to like the neck. <laughs> <laughs> Either like the neck or mouth or face of this guy. Uh, like lunges him into, you know, the shelf that falls on him. And uh, that's it. This all happens really, really fast, like in a matter of like two and a half seconds. <laughs> I think that's a great place. Like, it's much better to have the fight scene take place in the kitchen than the the main dining room. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I agree. I, I, every now and then, I'm in like a like a unique location. I expect, oh, it'd be really cool to like shoot a movie here. <laughs> like somebody could jump off this or pick up that and smash somebody's head with it. Um, I'm going to interject just to show you what's in the script here. <laughs> Please do. Yes. <clears throat> Okay, so this is picking up right from the dialogue. Um, This is the first thing that's written about being in the kitchen, interior restaurant kitchen, continuous. Protagonist jackknifes his leg up into the crotch of the thug behind him, spins him into the thug next to him, pots and pans flying. Uh, Then we go to the interior of the restaurant. Volkov uh, wipes sauce with bread, Enjoying noises from the kitchen, which we do see that later on in the. It's coming up. Yeah, yeah. So he's eating, thinking, "Oh, good, they're taking care of him." He's eating the protagonist's leftovers, which is what's. It's a very lurch thing to do. Yeah, and then we jump back into the kitchen. This is the last of it, uh, of the what's written about the fight scene. Third thug swings. Protagonist dodges, takes a blow on the shoulder, slams his head into the third thug's neck leaving him gasping. The protagonist grabs the third thug racing for the window. And then that's it. That's all that's there. There's nothing about uh, meat tenderizers. There's nothing about uh, any other. That's all that they had written, which is basically, so basically in the script, protagonist wins the fight. What's, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I got to imagine Nolan, you know, Nolan is so like methodical about like the theme and the story. Right. But then when it comes to like the fight scenes, it's just like, Oh, this is a lot of busy work. Uh, I'm going to phone it in and we'll figure it out. We'll figure it it out live. (laughs) It shows you what he cares about and what he doesn't. He's just like, a fight scene is just to get from one 
point in the script to another point in the script. Right. And it's like, he doesn't care how we get there. Um, and in, I think in this movie, it's in well, cause I feel like somebody else stepped in and said, let me, let me do have some fun with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's interesting. That is really interesting. We're not done by any means. <laughs> no, no, but in your, in your description, by any means. Uh, we're just getting started, right? So we've only, we've only taken our first shot at each of these goons. Uh, there's another one coming for all of them. Um, so, yeah, we knock over the one guy into that shelf. It kind of falls on him. And then, like, the protagonist just, like, you know, gets himself together and starts heading for the exit, right? Um, then we go back to Cat. And she's pleading with the driver now. She says, please. And then the driver says, he wants you to see. Uh, we cut back to the kitchen. The protagonist is walking. And then he senses one of the goons is coming from behind. The same one that sucker punched him in the kidney. Like, that's this guy's only move. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, protagonist senses it, grabs the cheese grater, let's go. Um, <laughs> he turns over to the attacker. The attacker takes a punch. And I think he like blocks it with the cheese grater, which, by the way, uh -huh. like, ouch, right? That's going to hurt a little. <laughs> he actually, yeah, the subtitles, the subtitles actually say thug grunting. <laughs> after taking, uh, after blocking, after being blocked with a cheese grater. And then uh, the protagonist, again, to the throat with the cheese grater. Uh, is this a CIA thing? Do the CIA, the CIA agents just punch in the throat? Is it's, that what they're? It's such. A, I, I guess so. It's a very vulnerable part. <laughs> um, so yeah, punch or, or cheese grater to the throat to like, you know. The cheese grater is such an interesting weapon because you have to think about the mechanics of it. Like if you're going to use the edged weapon of it, you have to kind of like place it and swipe down or swipe across which he kind of tries to do on the guy's knuckles <laughs> yeah i'm yeah it's, because punching forward does nothing right it's, it's when you pull back is when you're actually going to do some damage with it yeah. um i mean like, right. like pushing it into somebody's throat i imagine hurts but like to cut somebody <laughs> you got to get the angle just right you know like yeah. especially like on that block you know yeah and like, is he using the fine edge or i would use the broad edge right I'm going to use like the mozzarella pizza cheese. Yeah. Edge. Yes. Yeah. That's going to the Parmesan. One. <laughs> not the Parmesan. No, that would hurt too, though. That would definitely hurt. But I mm. think, yeah, if you land just one of those, you know, uh, mozzarella slots, like you're going to do some damage. It's going to hurt. Yeah. yeah. So that's why you got to like, you got to block it at just the right angle. You got to square the, the, the face of the cheese grater. Uh, those that are golfers, right? You got to square that, the, the club head. You got you to gotta square the cheese grater head at just the right angle to, for maximum damage. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, so then you get the throat hit with the cheese grater. Also not an easy maneuver. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and that's when he gets the cheese grater on the guy's head or his face, the side of his oh, face. Yeah, yeah. And then he gets them onto the, onto the counter and then drags the guy's face along <laughs> with the cheese grater until it gets blocked by something. And the cheese grater finishes the face off. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I wrote in my notes, turning his face into mozzarella cheese. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's kind of also like a cowboy move to like throw somebody on the bar and drag them to the end where there's yeah. like a pole and smash his head in. But also there's a cheese grater involved. <laughs> this is really memorable. I don't know about the rest of you, but like 
It's just one of the most memorable things, which again, it makes this maybe the least worst Christopher Nolan fight scene. (laughs) This is his, like we were just saying, this is his Jason Bourne. It is. He's he's also a capable hand-to-hand fighter. We saw him kind of operating in the opera house as like a, a tactical guy with a gun and a vest and everything. And then this is like, the James Bond scene where, okay, he's just a man now. What can he do? Right. Uh, <laughs> and this is it. He, he could do a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then he continues walking out. And then uh, one of the other goons comes from the side. Uh, he uh, uses some plates from the shelf to smash them into the face, blocks a punch, hits back really hard, grabs the guy's face, smashes it into some crates, and then the glass of a refrigerator. Uh this guy gets disabled pretty quickly and easily, I think. <laughs> and then finally, our uh, our mallet goon gets back up. He runs up from behind, uh, and he really just gets wrecked even easier. <laughs> um, and then he gets kicked. He's like, I've been watching from the floor. Just uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just give, give, give this me one's... a good bruise so I can. T- I, I, you know, Seder doesn't kill me. <laughs> <laughs> This was the, the this was the laziest of the choreographed fighting, but uh, he gets kicked out the back door, down the steps, into some garbage, uh, <laughs> which is just cliche, right? The protagonist yeah. took out the trash. <laughs> yeah, that guy. So that guy is sitting on the floor watching. All right, that guy just got a cheese grater to the hand and face. All right. Uh, <laughs> the other guy got smashed into some glass. He's gonna have a bruise. I can't show up. Just saying, I got you know, I got punched a couple times. You gotta. <laughs> I just realized I missed a note here. Uh, okay. So between when when the when the mallet goon first get takes those three punches to the neck and face into the shelf and it falls on him and there's that loud noise. That's when we cut to Lurch sitting at the table, uh, eating his bread or eating the protagonist's bread, uh, and he actually <laughs> like shakes his head a little bit, like not not like nods his head. He like shakes his head like. They're making too much noise. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but yeah. It says he does enjoy the noise uh, in the script. Um, Interesting. I yeah. would say like from watching the clip, like he kind of shakes his head like, come on now. Uh, <laughs> do, it, do, it, do it quieter. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. So then uh, down the steps into the garbage, the, the mallet goon goes. We cut back to Cat. She's crying. Uh, and then the driver finishes his thought from, you know, 20 seconds ago, uh, and he gets what he wants again. Like this is maybe one of the bigger annoyances of this film, right? It's like, they started this conversation like 20 seconds ago and now he's finishing it. And there was a whole bunch Mm -hmm. of writing in between, uh, or maybe it's a reaction to someone coming down the steps and it's like, oh, okay, that's the guy. Like we messed him up big. Uh, (laughs) Seder's getting what he wants. Nope, he adjusts his suit. And he's well. No, it <laughs> doesn't happen in my minute. We're done. Oh no! Oh, we're done. Darn it. Yeah, we don't get to finish. Oh, we don't even get a cat's retort. No, we don't. <laughs> okay. we don't. We're gonna save. Uh, uh, always leave him wanting more. Right, <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, that's it. That's the end of my minute. Uh, it's a great minute. It really, really is. And uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Well, almost wordless. Besides the hot sauce line, yeah. It is, yeah, and and you know, cat crying, um, non verde, yeah. yeah, but yeah, anyway, uh, blue team, blue team, red team, blue team, blue, blue team. <laughs> I will never get this right. <laughs> blue team is up. 
uh, it must be confusing. Like if you don't know, like imagine you like got knocked out on the battlefield and you wake up and you're like, <clears throat> okay, wait, am I, uh, okay. Those guys are going backwards, but they, I, am I backwards? Because wait, which team am I on? I forgot, <laughs> you know, am I, am I inverted or am I a normie? Am I, am I inverted? What are the birds doing? I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's, you'd have to look for some sort of natural cue. That's actually true. Unless someone like threw some birds into a turnstile just to really. Oh, I mean, <laughs> those poor creatures. <laughs> I can imagine I'm just driving around in my car and all of a sudden bird poop flies. Like <laughs> that's been there for a week. All of a sudden flies up into the air. Oh man, I could just see that. Yeah. No way. Uh, all right. I, okay. Jumping into my minute, we're at the beginning of a conversation uh, that I finished up last week. We're going to see um, it through to the middle, <laughs> which is the way I've been doing things. <clears throat> we start um, with a, a kind of an exterior shot, a little bit of um this uh freighter that they're on which i saw the name of it in this in my i was a few seconds ahead so we don't see the it in my minute but it's the uh magne viking which is a real ship it's the real name of the ship that you can charter if you have to go on to arctic expeditions um uh, and I, I found the website for it because I was trying to figure out if there was any meaning to the name because it's a French name, mm. Magne, and then Viking, which is obviously Scandinavian um, heritage there. But uh, I couldn't find anything in the name, but I found that I could contract that boat. So I just wonder if that <laughs> if that boat gets a bunch of spam from a bunch of Nolan nerds that are like, oh, could I? You know, do you have a temporal pincer or a turnstile inside your boat that can handle a? <laughs> large army i'm just gonna throw this out there if we can get up to 10 million downloads uh, <laughs> and i will partner that boat for the finale of tenant and we'll have a party on it yeah. uh, <laughs> in a windmill farm ten, 10 of you and a guest will be invited to join us oh yeah <laughs> on the, the mediterranean i don't even like where are they <laughs> the, either whatever's cheaper vietnam or <laughs> something off the coast of oslo where there's a bunch of windmills apparently that's right <laughs> yeah yeah, uh, yeah okay so that's where we're gonna go um we'll finish in the netherlands where we'll party party hard we'll be we'll tour the entire tenant uh <laughs> landscape 10 10 million downloads <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right okay so then we go in, the um, protagonist comes in uh, to the cabin and we see him zipping up the airlocks so he can breathe normally because they are inverted, traveling uh, back uh, to the points in the earlier part of the film. The uh, cat says, I can't get over the birds. Uh, there was just a shot where she was looking out the window at some birds. And I was trying to tell if this was inverted footage or non-inverted footage but i realized it's kind of hard to tell which direction a seagull is facing <laughs> so i couldn't tell if it was right or wrong i have to believe the meticulousness of nolan he used inverted footage of a bird yeah the, the way you can tell is if you could see the waves because obviously you can tell if a wave is moving backwards but even like i sometimes stumble over well wait do do windmills go clockwise or counterclockwise i don't wow what a great question that's probably I, clockwise unless you're in the southern hemisphere and then they go counterclockwise oh that's true well, they i just made that up. i don't know how, i don't know how true that is 
I just made that up. <laughs> I don't know anything. I'll figure out which way windmills turn <laughs> because I see them in my next minute. So I'll answer that question. I can't get over the birds. Uh, protagonist um, responds, how are you feeling? She lifts her shirt and reveals a large, jagged, angry scar as it's described in the script. And then she says, tell me you're going to kill him. So at this point, she's very much thinking revenge. Uh, she's in vengeful bitch mode. <laughs> yeah, well, she just survived. She's healing. She's inverted. <laughs> she's on a boat with a bunch of soldiers. She's never been more powerful. <laughs> uh, protagonist responds, I can't. Uh, Neil enters. And Kat says, why not? I think you've probably killed a lot of people. And then Neil answers, not with a dead man switch. And in the script, Kat says what? It's cut out in the actual movie. Protagonist keeps going uh, or responds to Neil and says, that fitness tracker he wears. Uh, Kat says, huh, he's obsessed with his health. And then Neil drops the exposition here that it's linked to a switch, probably a simple email burst revealing the location of the dead drop Set to fire if his heart stops. Set to fire? Set to fire. Oh, fire off the email. Fire off the email. Got it. Okay. So sending information into the future once he's dead. So that's how the dead man switch works. Is It's just revealing this is where uh, the location is. Um, so that's why they kind of need him to stay alive. No, I, I still don't buy that this dead man switch is essential to the future plot of the protagonist because at any point that email burst can go out and so long as they get the algorithm out of there, it doesn't matter. What they don't want him to do is change those emails. How do you so, email the future? Well, they could because it's just they'll have access to the records of everything. But like if you're in the They're future, not, that's, it's already happened. Yeah, but they're just, he's just sending it out to a bunch of accounts. I don't think this makes sense. <laughs> I, I, I don't think it makes sense to the reason why they need him to stay alive. Because if Kat just shows up on the boat, blows his head off, the, the events of the movie continue and this dead man switch plays no... But like, okay, life. hold on. Yeah. What, what, like, let's walk through this logically for a second, right? Like, let's say, we don't know how far in the future we're communicating with. Let's say it's 100 years in the future. Right. I would say that's pretty close. Fine. Uh, compared, yeah. So it's a hundred years into the future, right? Now, uh, whatever, it's 2020, right? Sater's still alive. Let's say his cancer kills him in 2022, and that's when the emails go out, right? Versus no, I, he, well, he was planning on committing suicide. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Day. Doesn't okay. matter. Let's let's pretend he doesn't, right? This, yeah, yeah. For the thought experiment here, right? So He's emailing the future, right? It doesn't matter if he emails the future in 2020 or 2022. In the year 2120, they already have the email. Like the fact that it was sent two years earlier or later doesn't make a difference. They have the email. So yeah, like, the dead man switch doesn't make sense if he's emailing the future. It, they already have the email. It and it only makes sense. Well, I think the reason he's not sending it out until after is he wants to ensure the algorithm is buried there. Um, so 
he's he's just like, all right, Volkov, let me know when you've blown yourself up. <laughs> thank, also, thank you, employee of the year, by the way. Thank you for beating up all of my wife's lovers and also, you know, entombing yourself <laughs> with this very thick... <laughs> How much of this does Volkov understand? <laughs> he's like he's like Hodor. <laughs> yeah, he's just... yeah. So <laughs> it'd be great if he like grabs the. I'm, I got lost. Volkov. So yeah, it once that bomb goes off. And so long as he's not alerted that somebody stole the algorithm during that operation, he knows, okay, that's where it's buried. I just tell the future that's where it is. The other part of that problem is the protagonist knows where he's burying it. He can let that happen. And then he knows where it is. Right. He can go notify his self in the future to go and, or, or they could just go get it or none of this makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, oof. we're in the Ouroboros portion of the, <laughs> the show now where the snake is eating its own tail. <laughs> uh, yeah, because he can let all that happen. Why doesn't he go back the next day with an excavator? Uh, well, he doesn't need to. Well, because it's cheaper if you just stop it from happening than having to excavate it. I guess. Oh, yeah. So this is all <laughs> all of Wheeler's men who died. <laughs> There's a call yeah. in this operation. We're just to save labor costs. <laughs> Listen, you Listen guys, it's, do you know what it takes to hire a crew in the Ukraine to dig up or not even Ukraine? It's in the, the USSR. Actually, I would think it's very cheap to hire a crew to dig stuff in the USSR. Listen, listen, it's all about ROI. If we don't stop it, we're going to have to get Bruce Willis and his team of drillers <laughs> to fly in, drill out the algorithm. It's dangerous. Oh. It's expensive. Yeah. Wow. Okay. You're right. It makes no sense. I've always been caught on the dead man switch making no sense, but the whole third act makes no sense. It's a complete waste of human lives. (laughs) Well, I stand by the dead man switch is really, is really flawed. Uh, Yeah. The dead man switch is really flawed. Yeah. They could just kill Seder at any point. Let those emails go out. And then all they have to do is get the algorithm and take it someplace that's not where he says it is. The future has that email regardless of when it gets sent out. Yes, exactly. So the the main, the, our good guy's job would just be to get the algorithm. Was that the, can you. At any time. Can you read the uh, uh, court stenographer? Can we go back to uh, the Neil line? What did Neil yeah. say? Okay. So protagonist says it's his fitness tracker. Kat says he's obsessed with himself. Neil says, it's linked to a switch, probably a simple email burst. So he's guessing. It's probably some sort of way to communicate with the future. Um, Revealing the location of the dead drop set to fire if his heart stops. Okay, so here's here's my point. You can't send emails to the future like in real time. Because in 100 years, they have those emails regardless of when it was sent out in the past. Mm -hmm. And now we've really broken the plot of Tenet. And also, this is a a satyr that's come back to this moment to die where the bomb has already gone off. He already knows 
the mission was successful or in his perception of the world that mission was successful the algorithms varied he came back from like three weeks after this bomb went off yes and he didn't bring a piece of the algorithm back with him maybe this is this is his version of posterity though yeah all right well i can (laughs) there's multiple problems with this yeah Uh, if you dig into any of this, you eventually run into this kind of stuff. Um, yeah. Listeners tell us if we're wrong. The one universal fact of the universe is that time moves in one direction, <laughs> right? You can speed it up or you can slow it down. This is, a, this is, this whole movie is a response to interstellar where they wouldn't let him use time travel. <laughs> that might be true. Actually. <laughs> Yeah, that might be true. Because he wrote that with a physicist, and like every time he he was like, "Oh, they go through a wormhole, and he goes back in time, and he gets gets the happy ending. He gets to be with his kid, and be like, no, that's not how it works. It's not." And they say in that film, "Time moves in one direction. You can speed it up, you can slow it down, but it does not. You cannot rewind it." Right. That's true. And and this whole movie is his response to that, and I think every. Every episode of Tenet Men eventually comes to this point where we're just like, this doesn't make any logical sense. Basically, yeah. Telling, mm-hmm. you know, take that Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> <laughs> Was that the end of your minute? Oh, uh, let's see. Uh, we really. Uh... Okay, the protagonist then says, after Neil's line, in effect, his death activates the algorithm. Uh, not true. <laughs> He dies, the world ends. No one dares uh, kill him. Cat realizes, no, you've missed a point. He's intending to end his life. Uh, Protagonist says, why? And then this is right on the cusp of my minute. Um, He's dying inoperable pancreatic cancer. Yeah. Which I also, I think I called a couple weeks ago that that's another plot hole of the movie because she doesn't need to go through all this pain and suffering. Right. She just needs to, she just needs to wait, wait it out, wait until he's dead. Yeah. 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 Also, they could just go, Hey, let's invert right now and go pick up the algorithm. (laughs) Yeah. Right. This is all right. This is mildly depressing because my minute was very good and your minute annoyed me. I know. We always, I always bring down the house. The blue team is blue for a reason. We are <laughs> very, oh, we were very upset with the events of the world as we have, as we have lived them and now have to re- relive them in an endless loop. <laughs> you had your fun and now we're taking it away. <laughs> yeah. Man. All right. Well, this has been a great episode. Thank you all mm-hmm. for listening to the Ten of Men podcast. If you've enjoyed this program, please take a moment to follow, rate, review on whatever service you found us on. Rest assured, we will continue our temporal pincer movement of this film next week. And until then, we'll meet you at the beginning. I'll see you at the beginning. Bye.